welcome to the first instalment in our Future of Auctions podcast series. I'm Julia Cahill and I'm joined by some hugely knowledgeable guests today to talk about how technology and the COVID-19 pandemic have combined to change the auctions market. I'm joined by David Sanderman, Managing Director of Essential Information Group, the auctions data business, which has diversified to develop the technology now being used in the majority of online auctions held in the UK. Andrew Brown, Auction Director at Stretton's, which effectively transferred the firm's ballroom auctions into the online auction space very early on in the pandemic using live streamed sales. And Max Mason, head of Lambert Smith Hampton's online auction platform, which has launched, which was launched in January 2019 after a strategic decision to stop using traditional in-room auctions. LSH, I should say here, was the first firm in the UK that we reported on as using online property auctions. Indeed, auctioneers have been using online auctions as an alternative to in-room sales for around five years now but growth had been slow and the bulk of lots were still being sold in front of buyers until the 23rd of March this year, that is. Since the UK's first lockdown put a stop to in-room auctions overnight, there has been a surge in online auctions to replace them. Change which looked set to take years has been crammed into less than eight months. So David, first, if I could come to you, could you just set the scene here? What happened when the first lockdown was trailed and then actually put into effect? Well, just to put it in perspective, we'd been developing an online platform since about 2013-14 and we went live in 2014. In fact, Andrew Brown, who was then running Countrywide, offered the first ever lot on our platform, 59 Home Road, uh, sorry, Home Drive in Chester, which we sold for 63,000. And that started a gradual drip feed of lots coming onto the online platforms. But understandably, uh, and one would expect that, all the auctioneers wanted to sort of stay in the ballroom, which was running very successfully for everybody. It's a a culture they knew and understood. And people were and are hesitant as to whether it would transverse online okay. Fast forward to a year ago, November last year, and I was watching the news one night and I saw Woham being locked down and nobody could go anywhere. And the next day over a cup of tea with my uh, good friend and colleague, David Leary, who heads up IT, I said, David, if this COVID business comes to England, auctioneers might not be able to have auctions. And from that point, really, November, December last year, we started uh, mobilising some plans which have been on our back burner for a long time in the event that the industry did want to use us on a, on a wide scale uh, and got ready for it. One auctioneer contacted me in February uh, and had the same discussion. We went to see them and uh, yeah, they, they uh, were ready to go. And with the prospect of lockdown, we started repairing auctioneers' websites so that when we got the call, and my God, did we get a lot of calls just before and after lockdown, we'd be in a position to service them, get them out. Uh, we had taken more staff on and I think Around the period of lock week, uh, lockdown, sort of a week before and two weeks after, we onboarded something like 70 or 80 different auction houses to use our, our services. Um, great team managed to do it. They really worked so hard. I mean, I saw emails flying around at midnight at night to auctioneers and uh, team stepped up to the challenge. And, and now it's uh, the platform which has been used by a lot of people in two guises. Firstly, the eBay-style online auctions, where it's, it's all done by the computer, uh, people register to bid, 
and, and got and then live streamed auctions. We very quickly beefed up our um, internet bidding facility so that when the auctioneer is standing on the rostrum, he can see the bids coming in from the auctioneers. We've had one auctioneer, I think he had 3,000 registered bidders to bid online via the internet to, to an auction, huge numbers. Uh, and the traffic has been unbelievable. But that's where we are today. Uh, we're still carrying on uh, modifying it and making it better and better, hopefully for the auctioneers and the uh, buyers and sellers. Um, and it's really sort of business as usual. From a stats point of view, uh, we're seeing a drops, drops in volumes of around 20%. Um, and amount raised at similar sorts of levels, which I think, um, given the, the the challenges the industry faces, those are a great set of stats, and uh, they should be proud. As an industry, I think we're all proud of what, what we're achieving. Difficulties of viewing, inspections, etc., and uh, that's where we are today, really, with, with more coming down the line. That's great. Thank you, David. So, so um, volumes roughly down, sort of twenty percent year on year on year. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So still, still, it's up huge numbers going through. Um, so Andrew, it would be great to, to, to bring you in here then. And I think, for, I think from what David said, you can lay claim to the first online auction asset. Then, um, <laughs> could you can you talk us through what happened um, at at Stretton's um, then? What 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 were your sort of initial uh, reactions to what was happening? Sort of talking um, well, back to earlier this year. Yeah, I think that um, being the first person sort of using David's platform to to um, uh, to, to sell a, a, a property with an online auction, I've always had a healthy dose of scepticism about the efficacy of, um, of, of of online auctions in any guise replacing the ballroom auction. But I have to say that I think without the ability to conduct the auctions in the way that we have we would have been in real trouble in terms of as, 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 as an auction house and i don't think we would have been able to to function uh, in the way that we have it came as right it all came right i came on rather suddenly and i think that we were perhaps more fortunate than some of our competitors in that our april auction catalogue was already out when the first lockdown was announced. So we'd had a week and a half of viewings already. The catalogue was already printed and published and uh, and people were aware of the lot. And I think like a lot of other auctioneers, we were hesitant in terms of what, what we would do. And I think it was through conversations with fellow directors here, but also some stakeholders like David, Talk, we talked about what the different options were and about what um, could be done. And the idea of perhaps having, you know, we could go the whole hog and go for the eBay style online only auctions, or as was our preference, the hybrid approach of running the, the live stream auction. And I think that we always knew we were in very good hands with uh, the guys at EI Group because we, we've worked very closely and I personally worked very closely with David um, um, for, for many, many years. And I think that we knew that we were going to be well looked after, but I still had hesitation and uh, reservation about, about how it would work. But everything went incredibly well. There were no technical hitches and the process that was put in place in relatively short order 
by David and his guys. And certainly for, from, from our perspective, shifting everything from our usual auction venue to our boardroom in, in East London, um, it was a recipe for disaster. And certainly when, you, when I looked at some other auction houses, the way that they went about putting it forward, I mean, some made the decision to cancel their April auctions. Um, others, uh, you know, did it in a way that I don't think represented the professionals in those firms. Um, but we were incredibly fortunate that not only did it go very, very well for us, it was well received both by our buyers and by our sellers. So I think that, as I say, we were incredibly lucky and there was an awful lot of hard work that went in. But we found that the hybrid model works well for us because one of the things that I've always had skepticism about the online auction is that how do you recreate the skill of a, of a good auctioneer? Um, and I think that having the live stream means that we still do have that level of interaction with our buying clients. Not as much, and that perhaps is one of the downsides, that you don't quite be able to get the same sort of level of reaction that you would from having a, a, a bidder right in front of you in the auction room when you can see the whites of their eyes. But certainly there are some advantages too as well. We have huge visibility on who's going to be bidding on each of the lots because everyone registers for an individual lot. So right now, whereas previously we perhaps had a good inkling as to which lots were going to sell and which ones weren't, and we had to have faith in the fact that people would be coming to the room and they were bidding, and we always there's always that element of the unknown. But I think with the online auctions or the remote bidding only auctions, because everyone has to register, we have much greater visibility. So that helps in terms of advising our clients as to where we set reserve, because we can see as the marketing period builds up the amount of bidders that we've got. So um, it's 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 been it's it's worked really really well for us, and I think that it's something that what you said right at the top of the piece, Julia, about how this wouldn't have come on in this sort of time frame without the uh, the pandemic, but it has, and it's worked really really well. And as I say, I, I have to say I'm a convert. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, um, no, that's really interesting, and I'd definitely like to come back to that point you made about that sort of knowledge that it gives you ahead of the auction, or that increased level of knowledge it gives you. Um, about sort of buyer interest. Um, was there any concern that people might, you know, just um, pull out or um, ask you to sort of hang hang fire on certain assets really early on, uh, going back to that April sale? Was, was there was there much of that? I think it was something that we headed off at the pass quite early on. Once we mm. made the decision that that's the way we're going to do it, I was very quick to make sure that I made contact with all of our clients, not not just my, the ones that I was dealing with personally, but every one of our clients, just to give them that assurance that, you know, that Stratton's have, um, have been auctioneering property for 83 years. You know, we've, we've been we've carried on auctioneering through world wars and, and all sorts of different crises. Um, and this was something that we would also get through and that they were in good hands with us. And I think the very fact that we were able to say, look, we have a process in place Um, and this is something that we feel is the right way of going forward. We didn't have anyone withdraw a lot because of concern about um, uh, what would happen uh, with the April auction. I think there were people who had concerns and they needed reassuring, but we were very fortunate that we were able, we we have those strong relationships with our, our selling clients that we were able to say, 
we have faith in this system. Put your faith in us and, and everything will be okay. And it proved to be, be absolutely fine. I think we did, it was an 85 or 86% success rate on the day. So, um, you know, we, we couldn't argue with that. Great. Great. So, um, coming to over to Mac now, um, this must all have been so interesting for you to watch because you were in, in a different position. You had actually launched an online auction business um, around a year um, before, hadn't you? Was it January 2019 yeah. um, so that 574 yeah. was launched? Indeed. So we, we carried out, as Lambert's we carried out um, our first online sales in 2016 with the ERG platform, actually. Um, and that was a, a sort of limited run then. And then we continued to do online sales alongside our ballroom auction um, through sort of 2017, 2018. And then in late 2018, um, we moved exclusively online and then launched the 574 separate auction brand at the beginning of 2008, uh, 2019. Sorry. So, um, and we made quite a few fundamental changes at that point to to how we carry out auctions, which just, you know, obviously being exclusively online, but we also moved to a, a flexible model of sales. So we, we now no longer sell in these, these sort of large tranches of lots. We do little and often sales and we think it offers our clients further flexibility, speed to market, uh, sort of all sorts of things. But I mean, when, you know, the pandemic obviously came along and reared its ugly head in, uh, early 2020 yeah it was it was really just business as usual um we had one withdrawal um i remember it distinctly it was a sale in wivenhoe um a ground rent on behalf of essex county council uh, that was the only withdrawal we had um during the month of march um which is sort of when lockdown and everything else happened and that was just um, a sort of nervousness about the market presumably that, or? Was, that was the one nervous seller we had um everything else you know, buyers, sorry, sellers stuck with us. Um, we sold and then we enjoyed a 100% success rate from um, March through to the end of June, uh, where we had one property not sell that broke the streak. Um, so we had, you know, we enjoyed really good success rate the whole way through that. Um, we had, a, quite interestingly, actually, when we track our, our page views on all of our properties, just web hits. And from... Um, the previous year, 2019, which was obviously a launch year where we were doing a lot of marketing, um, we had, com compared to the year before, we had a 50% increase in page views as a jump from between March to April. So you could, you could really see the trend as people, you know, and I think this is the great thing about what the auction industry's done here and what David's done and, and, and Andrew as well, is by, by moving online, um, the auction market as a whole has maintained access to property for these buyers and you know it's an it's an absolutely brilliant thing that the the entire market has been able to do and you know obviously i've been on these podcasts before and, and talked about the great things about online and how everyone should do it and you know it hasn't moved as quickly as i would have hoped it would because i'm a big fan of it all um but certainly i think it's great that we've we've used technology as a tool as an industry to maintain access to property and i think that page view stat just on its own for me symbolizes the fact that you know demand was still there the whole way through this entire uh, crisis there has been cash in the market there has been and you know we as an industry have been able to adapt to provide continued access and you know that has led to some really good success rates as david said um and 
know, decent levels of volumes being sold. So, you know, I think as a, as an industry, we should, um, we should be quite proud of ourselves. Um, I think sort of touching on, on Andrew's point, I, we have a di- bit of a disagreement there with regards to, um, live stream versus eBay model. Um, I'm personally a big fan of the eBay model and I, actually I have no shame in calling it the eBay model. Some people think that devalues the, uh, the name of it slightly, but I think, you know, can't argue with eBay, can you? It's the most successful selling platform in the world, I think, except for maybe Amazon. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of that because actually I think it's more personal. Um, I think an auctioneer can, can see the whites of people's eyes, but um, what I'm able to do from my desk at home is see every single one of our registered bidders. And, you know, if I feel like someone needs a bit of geeing up, instead of being on the rostrum and addressing an entire room, I can ring them personally. I can ring that individual bidder, speak to them, you know, address any concerns they might have. And, and, and actually, that's the same sort of salesmanship and, as Andrew said, skill of an auctioneer that you can apply in a much more personal context. So yeah, I'm, that's, that's I'm a big fan of that model. Point. Yeah, because it's it's so it's um not not just a case of sort of pressing a button and 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 it letting it run. You are it's very much an interactive but process it on for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it absolutely must be. You know, if we are, you know, I'm fully fully invested in making this this method work, and actually I really hope that auctioneers adopt the online method of sale beyond the pandemic. I think there will be some moves back to to ballroom sales and. You know, that's fine if people want to do that. But I do think that this should be an opportunity for online sales to become a much bigger part of the auction market and the property sales market in general. I don't mm. think this this platform is limited to auctions by any means. And I think, you know, our move towards flexible timeline sales is part of that. We're trying to approach this in more of a private treaty sort of uh, way in turn into, you know, trying to move into different asset classes do something a bit different to what to what auctions are traditionally known for because i think you know it's a it's a long-standing stat that i've heard before of um auctions only making up two percent of the property transactions market in the uk um i don't think we're going to change that by doing the same thing we've we've got to adapt as 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 auctioneers and provide something a bit different to try and move our market into into something new so, so how are you exploring that then at the moment um, at, at five seven four? When you say you're looking at different asset classes, um, so do you mean sort of working across the business and bringing in different? Yeah, um, you know, Lambert Smithampton is a business. You know, it's it's much larger than just our auction team. You know, we've got we've got forty offices around the country. Um, you know, we've got multiple different service lines. Um, so I think one thing for us is making sure that we can. We can adapt to the needs of those different service lines. You know, um, for example, our machinery and business assets team, uh, slightly incorrectly named in my opinion, because they deal mostly with our insolvency clients and insolvency property. Um, and one of the things when we moved online, we, we sat down and said, well, what do our insolvency clients need? A lot of the time they need speed to market. And for me, that doesn't mean that when they say to us, when can you next sell? we don't turn around to them and say, oh, well, our next auction's on the 24th of June. You know, we turn around to them and say, well, when do you want to sell it? You know, we'll, we can get this on the market as soon as we get the info and, you know, we can sell it as soon as you need it to. We, we aren't constricting the timelines of our vendors. Um, you know, we are being adaptive. And if, for example, let's say a 
a slightly more complex or larger property. Um, you know, auctions have typically been known for smaller lot sizes um, compared to the, the wider UK property market. Um, and that might be because larger transactions, you know, aren't considered for auction because it's known for having a shorter marketing period. Well, why don't we just make a longer marketing period, you know, because we're not limited to that catalogue launch day and auction day. We are unlimited in our scope of how we how we go about our auctions. So I think those those factors in particular are what we're really trying to press in and, and explore and just just see how things work, really. And, um, you know, that's that's the beauty of moving into this new this new sector is there are actually unlimited possibilities. Andrew, could you um, foresee sort of auctions breaking through that that two percent um, market share through through this sort of um, growth in the use of technology? Well, I think it's interesting what Max says that, and he's right because this has been a stat that I think has probably been unmovable for certainly as long as I've been in the industry over twenty years, um, and it doesn't seem to shift. It has slight fluctuations but it doesn't seem to sort of shift in any, any, any great way, shape or form. So doing something differently may well be the thing that moves um, more transactions into the auction sphere. I think the very nature of certain of the majority of, of, of property transactions means that they're probably not going to be suitable for auction. Um, you know, if you think about residential, um, anything in a chain is never ever going to work in auction. So there's just certain barriers that you're not going to get um that you're going to get over but i do think that there's that this is this the, the pandemic has been a catalyst to change and i think that there are certain aspects of the um of of, of the auction process that will still remain true irrespective of how their the auctions auctions are conducted and i think that there's an opportunity to take the good things that auctions has always done and amalgamate that into some of the things that we've learned during this enforced period of, of remote only sales i mean for me i think that the move away exclusively from the ballroom auction to, for want of a better expression not an expression i like particularly but i think it's certainly one that the only thing that really fits um would be a shame because I think that there is an element of theatre to auctions and certainly when you look at a good auctioneer part of the appeal of that using that auction house is is, is, is the, um, the style and the, the, the um, skill of the of the good auctioneer and I think that to lose that would be a real shame and I also think that you know, auctions is that marketplace, if you like, that our ancestors ancestors would have all gone to. That I think that to lose to, to lose the auction day would be a shame. But I do think that there's a, a very interesting discussion to be had as to if and when people will move back to that. Um, that throws up a huge number of different conundra um, as to as to, as to what the the, the the rights and wrongs of that are. But certainly, I think that you know auctions over the last 10 years I would say I've seen huge changes in terms of the awareness of auctions and I think that um, you know it's becoming a far more accepted way of, of selling things you know the move to a more digital method of selling or, or 
digitization of auctions may well be the catalyst for more coming in but i don't see uh, I, I don't see it ever moving to anything like 50% maybe not even 10% but any sort of move away from that two percent would be welcome i think point you made earlier about this sort of this level of knowledge that you get in advance um of, of an auction um now because that that um must sort of um be a, a huge advantage um to the the traditional sort of way of doing auctions so what could you just sort of spell out sort of andrew first and then and and then max how how you um, use that information and how um, it informs discussions with clients um, about pricing and and perhaps what what sort of bidders and underbidders need to, need to know about that that registration process because mm. that has really changed, hasn't it? It really has, and I think that you know there's always been a, a set number of barometers that you would that you have. Uh, to give you the visibility of whether a lot's going to sell or whether it's not. And, you know, they're the obvious things. There's the number of legal packs downloaded. There's the number of people attending viewings. The general level of phone calls that you might get. But then there's the other things as well, like the number of pre-auction offers that you get and those who are registering for the old remote bidding options, the, the proxy bids, the telephone bids. But I think that the... The real boost that this has given us is that because everyone, because every single bidder has to register for each lot, and I appreciate that sort of that it, you'll probably get a different answer from Max because obviously we're doing it in a um, in that that collective, that critical uh, mass of, of of lump of lots um, in one day, uh, as opposed to sort of spreading them out over over more little and often to use Max's phrase. Um, but I think that because we know who's registered, because we know who how many people we have registered for each lot, it does give us that degree of visibility for setting reserves. So if we've got 20 registered bidders, there's a pretty good chance that it's gonna go above the reserve. Um, if we've got one or two, then the, 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 it prompts a discussion with our seller in terms of saying, look, if you want to get this one away on the day, then you might need to reconsider your reserve so it does give us an extra it's just it's one extra uh information stream if you like but i think that this is you know it feeds into something that i think probably a lot of us are, are, are not really happy talking about because what it also does is and this is the reason is that it's no coincidence that when you look at success rates of auctions over the pandemic the, the success rates have increased for the traditional auction houses who um, ra rather than firms like like uh, like like uh, LSH and and um, and other uh, online um, uh, only auctions um, the, I'm talking sort of the more the, 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 the traditional auction houses the ones who don't always on ballroom auctions previously their success rates have improved and it's because of that visibility because you know that if there's no one registered for a lot you withdraw it so you advise your client to say look if there's no one registered for it when they get onto the rostrum, then we withdraw it. Hence why success rates have gone up. And I do think this is one of the, the interesting things about moving back to the ballroom auction. If some people decide to move back to the ballroom auction and some people decide to stay with the remote bidding only auctions, there's going to be an imbalance in terms of people's success rates. And it's what we're judged on, rightly or wrongly. So 
it's going to have that impact. So I think that that may be one of the things that feeds into people's reluctance to move back to uh, the ballroom option because of the perception that if you're doing 74% and your competitors are all doing 92%, prospective sellers are going to look at that and go, well, who's the guy who does 92%, not actually realising that they're not selling any more lots. Um, and I think that that is something that will, I think, be in a lot of people's minds. But certainly um, it has... From a visual perspective, it has it, it has locked down all the remote only sales has helped in terms of demonstrating that success rates are on the up. Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you touched on that on that important point. Um, Max, um, how, how do you make use of, of all the information that you're able to gather sort of ahead ahead of auction? How does that inform your discussions with clients? Yeah. I, it's it's absolutely everything, isn't it? I mean, this this is the thing, and I I really agree with what Andrew said here, and I I you know hands on the table admit that we do it. If a lot does not have interest, we will withdraw it if we know yeah. it's not going to sell, because our our job here is not we're not just an auction house. You know, we are not a platform where someone just sticks up their property and you know people bid on it. That's not what we do here. Our job fundamentally is to provide advice to vendors you know and act in the best interest of our vendors now if we know that their property is not going to sell then we need to provide that advice and actually i'd go a step further i hate i do hate withdrawing properties um and i will only do it as an advisor as a last resort but i think as 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 an item can be used to provide that advice during the course of marketing as well um, you know, it can be used to inform decisions regarding garden reserve pricing. Um, but, it, you know, with our model as well, what we tend to do is if a property doesn't have the reception straight off the bat, then we maybe try lowering the guide price. If it still doesn't, you know, pick up at all, then maybe we extend the closing date of the auction by two weeks just to give it that extra bit of time on the market. And the point is, what's for me, it's what's the point in having all of this dynamism of, of you know, having this online platform where you can move things about, you can change things if you don't have the information to do that. And so you know, for us, yeah, data is absolutely everything. And you know, I think that's not just limited to the auction sector. Is it? If you look at pretty much any successful online-based business um, in, in the world at the moment, it's, it's all based on the data they collect and how they use that. And it's, it's the people who are cleverest with that use that that tend to be the most successful. Um, I think it comes with a warning though, all of this is that, you know, we do have to be careful um, how we use data. And, you know, obviously there are protection laws like the GDPR and everything else, but we, we do have to be careful with how we use people's data because we don't want to give the impression that we are sort of using that power um, or anything like that. We are purely trying to make sure that we provide the best service to vendors and also bidders. You know, data can be used to help both of those um, sort of parties on either side of the table. Um, but it's certainly for me, it's, it's been the biggest revolution of, of online sales is, is that, that extra information you can gather and, you know, how you can provide advice to your clients. And like we've, we've gone as far as, you know, we have, um, we have a, basically a predicting, a bit of predictor um, uh, feature where we can, and I think pretty accurately, predict how many bidders we are going to get based on all the metrics that we collect on you know everything as as, as andrew said from legal packs to viewings to 
page views to um, the regional engagement. So where those page views are coming from within the country, are they local, are they national to the property? Um, you know, all of this info feeds into our system and we can deliver a the accurate number of how many bidders we are going to get. And, you know, for me, the magic number is always three. If you've got three, for me, that's that's an auction. I don't like having two. I think that's a little bit risky. Um, but three for me is is if we're above three, we're heading for a, a decent day. Um, and, you know, all of that info gets fed back to our clients and we give them the best advice we can possibly give, which is what we're here to do at the end of the day. All right, that's that's really, really interesting. Thank you. Um, David, I mustn't miss you out here because um, uh, data is, is such a huge part of, of your business and what you're doing. Um, yeah. So so how 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 do you see that? How 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 is data used um, increasingly to inform <laughs> well, auctioneers? And, very um, much so. I talk to a lot of auctioneers and, and understand how, how they sort of use the software uh, when they're conducting auctions and and um, in the uh, um, purely online auctions, we'll have auctioneers or one of their senior colleagues on the phone to to um, vendors as the bid is closing and saying, we've got another 15 seconds to go. I don't think we're going to get another bid. Do you want me to drop the reserve to meet the existing bid? And they can, and then it's sold. If a vendor agrees to it, the reserve is dropped and the system will knock the lot down to that buyer at the newly agreed price. So we haven't got a lot which is unsolved, which makes it sometimes more difficult to go ahead. In other ways, um, the, the auctioneer is able to, or one of the clerks is able to see, is a registered bidder online? We show a green light. And, it, and if he's not, it's simple, pre press the button on the bidder, dial his number and say, have you forgotten the auction? And it's an amazing number of people who have. So that we, you can remind them to, to turn up at the room and it takes them 10 seconds to log in and they're there. So these sorts of um, functionality and we have and with the um, live streamed auction that Andrew uses, there is ability as well to see are all the bidders online and, and round them up. The other thing we see is because the auctioneer isn't um, in, in both cases, live streamed and online, uh, pure online, uh, they're not bound by booking a hotel venue two week, two years before the event, which they've done, they can say, but you know what, I'm going to hold another auction next week. We've seen one uh, major London auction, who has had three interim sales where he's had a particular client, wants to sell 12 lots, so two weeks after, he's doing auctions every month. Halfway between the two, he puts 12 lots online and, 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 and sells them. Uh, so these sorts of changes, the flexibility it gives you, both on data, and that is huge to data, the number of bids, we, we uh, after every um, auction, we, we send out numbers, you know, how many people bid on which lot, which was the most popular, who left it the latest to bid, um, you know, to, to, to the smallest big gap, how many bids there were every minute, et cetera. They get unbelievable amounts of information. And of course, they're seeing what people have done with the legal documents as well. So, so much more data. It's 10, 15, 20 fold more data they have on what's gone on in that auction in both cases, both online and live streamed, um, than they would have had in, in the auction room. And that is making a difference to the way they can make the decisions. Yeah, that is a huge difference, isn't it? Um, we are almost out of time. So to wrap up, perhaps just in, in a one or two word answer, um, do, do you think that uh, in-room auctions will come back once restrictions um, are lifted? I'll go to Andrew first on that. 
I'm not very good at one on two word answers, I'm afraid, <laughs> as you can probably tell. Um, I, I think that there will always be a place for um, ballroom auctions of some description. Um, but as I say, I do think that there are an awful lot of questions to be asked. And, and uh, you know, I think it would be difficult for me to, to argue against the um, the success of, of, of the live streamed auctions, given that my September sale was the biggest sale that we'd, uh, the most successful sale we'd had since March 2008, so 12 years, um, you know, it's, uh, it's so very, very successful in that respect. So I think that, but I do, I, I do miss the theatre um, and the, um, the, the marketplace element of, um, of, of, of the ballroom auction. So I do hope we eventually get back to that some, in, in some way, shape or form. But taking the best things of uh, that we've learned from, uh, from from lockdown. I appreciate that wasn't a two-word answer, and I apologise. <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a thorny subject, isn't it? But um, but but that was perfect. Um, Max, do you do you think you'll find yourself competing with in-room auctions again, or is it all online? Yeah, they're they're going to go back to it at some point, aren't they? I mean, it's you know, it's it is a tried and tested formula. It works, and some people really appreciate it. You know, some. Some vendors are fully behind the in-room auction model. I'll call it in-room rather than boring. And, you know, they, they've got to offer that option for them. And I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for that. Um, we certainly will not be going back. And, you know, we, we made that decision in 2018. Um, you know, we, we had this realisation that auctioneers are having now back then. And for us, it's just about how we can push this forward and how we can push the boat out a little bit and just see see what happens. Um, try and deliver something a little bit different rather than following the same formula. And I think I think auctioneers will learn from this experience and they will try and take the best things from online into into the future. And, and that's absolutely brilliant because it's a, it's an excellent method of sale. And you know anything we can do to shake up the status quo, I think is is fantastic. And for you, there are clearly other other growth areas with all of this. Um, so, and uh, David, finally, before we before we close. yeah, I've spoken to quite a few auctioneers. Some have nailed their colours to the mast and said they're never going to go back into the ballroom. Others are saying they might do. Um, others are saying um, they definitely are. I think the market will decide. The auctioneers will be taking feedback from their clients and buyers. What it will do, I think, will be a huge hugely much more, uh, once we do go back to the ballroom, be much more involvement from the internet taking bids in, whereas before it was maybe four or five percent of the bidders were online. I think that number will dramatically increase as people see that you can take part in an auction without being there. Although I fully get it, a lot of vendors and auctioneers miss the networking opportunities. So maybe the option is to make a have an auction which is conducted electronically, but where networking can take place and the auctioneer can run a commentary over the top of it. That has been suggested by somebody. Whether it happens, I don't know. Ah, okay. Interesting thought. Okay, we are out of time there. So thank you to all of our panel and thank you for listening. Look out for the rest of this podcast series and for print coverage in the 12th of December issue of EG. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data. (laughs) 